Welcome to the Sales Prospectus Show, supported by Lease A Sales Rep, an Inc. 5000 company, helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can also find us at leaseasalesrep.com and on all major social media channels. I had the pleasure today of interviewing Mike Simmons, the owner CEO of Plain Data, that's playing like aircraft, Plain Data. Uh, they are an aircraft appraisal firm. I mean, that's my language. Uh, I'm sure Mike can uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity, Gilbert. It's good, good, good to see you again, and um, it's a pleasure to be able to connect with you. It's been a couple of years since we've uh, spoken and seen each other, and I'm glad that uh, playing data and you're doing what you're doing and still doing it. I'm sure enjoying doing it. Uh, and we're here doing our thing. Um, uh, I hope that uh, your business is okay uh, during these special times. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on and has it affected you at all or not? And, uh, let us know. It, uh, it, it really hasn't. Um, and and uh, to follow up on your comment, I, I actually probably do more aircraft consulting. The core part of the business is appraising airplanes. But over the years, it's just ballooned out beyond that so mm. much. But it's still a good core. People want to understand the value. But more importantly, they want to understand why that value is where it is. And that's the value we try to, to bring to the table. For our business, um, and, and in my case, I, I may be one of the few in our organization, but I have my own airplane. So it's not bothering me to travel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't have to get on the airlines. In fact, try to avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to tell you the truth, I, now I fly a single engine piston airplane. It's cost effective, but for just about anywhere east of the Mississippi, I can usually get there and, and back faster than with a commercial airline. And you say, gee, how, does, how, how is that possible? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I don't have to go through security. I don't have to get at the airport at least two hours early. Mm -hmm. I uh, get to the airport, which is about 30 minutes away, takes me a few minutes to pre-flight the airplane and I'm gone. Where do you park? Um, your car. <laughs> well, when you when you uh, get to wherever you're going, right? There's a fixed base operator or FBO in Raleigh, for example. Um, I think now it's Signature, but it used to be Southern Jet or somebody before that. They take care of the airplane. They fuel it. They make sure that uh, life is good. They'll put it in a hangar if you need it in a hangar. Mm -hmm. Say bad weather, um, and I've had folks do that from time to time. So, uh, yeah, they, they take care of it when, when you're there. You do what you got to do. And, and most times I'm at the airport. I don't, I don't leave the airport. Um, and so when I'm, in, well, and that's the nice thing, right? So if I have to look at a plane, say, in North Raleigh, if I flew commercially, I would have to land at Raleigh-Durham. Mm -hmm. In my case, I land at North Raleigh Airport, do my business, and I'm gone. I don't have to deal with... Raleigh Durham at all. So for the listeners uh, and, the, and the viewers, uh, Mike Mike is out of Charlotte, right? Charlotte, yeah, I'm in the Charlotte area, correct? Yeah, Charlotte area, North Carolina. So he would, in theory, fly into North Raleigh, 
um, and it'll be much quicker, obviously, than than driving. You fly in, land at an airport over there in North Raleigh, and go out there and do what he has to do, right? Yeah, as a as a sales tool, the the private aircraft is is really uh, powerful in so many respects. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a gentleman that I know in Sanford that runs an air taxi service, and um, he takes guys from the Raleigh Durham area, uh, coaches uh, and so forth to hither and yon to interview uh, potential athletes, uh, you know, or whatever they need to do. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> and so it gives them a way to, um, to travel incognito. Uh, if you go, you know, well, think about, um, you know, somebody like Dean Smith, who was a, a basketball coach, mm-hmm. you know, somebody going through a major airport like Raleigh-Durham, you're going to have a crowd in no time. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have the ability to travel privately, you know, and, and, uh, you know, somewhat secretly. And, and, um, and that's what, you know, general aviation affords you. So an air taxi, for example, that's a good uh, example, um, in Sanford, North Carolina. So I'm sure they have them in different parts of the market across the U.S., I'm sure. So you would drive to this place in Sanford, North Carolina, and park your car there. Uh, and then you would get on this this airplane and they would take you somewhere privately so it's almost like it's an air taxi it's not a charter where you chartered the well plane. well it really in a way it is it in is. a way it is a charter right you call you set up a time and you know you pay for their service we commonly call it a an air taxi okay so the interchangeable the names is that Correct. yes okay so yeah. charter and air taxi so you would go to sanford north carolina you have let's say three people uh, with your luggage, let's just say, park your car and hop on this air taxi and, and fly to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, as an example. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And what does that look like just for, you know, from a cost perspective? Just I know it's probably different cost structures, but generally, what does that cost? Oh, well, uh, yeah. I um, Depends on the type of airplane, but you're looking at thousands of dollars, right, per, per seat. But let me tell you, the service is like nothing else, mm. Okay. Uh, somebody is there to load your bags, take them out of your vehicle, put them in the airplane. Somebody is there to um, uh, make sure you have what's on board to eat and drink. Um, you have your own seat that's nice and spacious. You get on and go when you're ready to get on and go. There's, there's no uh, security. You know, you don't get wanded or anything else unless they happen to require that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just a very, very different experience. Yeah, you're paying for obviously a high level, <clears throat> executive level kind of experience. So when you say, I know, I don't want to box you in with the money because, but yeah, when, you yeah, say thousands, when you say thousands, you mean like $2,000 to $4,000 per seat on average to get Easy. to a Fort Lauderdale or, or, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to get a, a sample of an idea of what, Clearly, you're paying for everything you just said, <laughs> which is fantastic. Sure. Um, uh, so w- what are we looking at, kind of like a, a ballpark, something on this side of the East Coast, right? Now, we're not going to California, right, which is a whole Yeah, yeah, problem. yeah. But, well, think about it. I mean, it depends on the type of aircraft. Like I say, a jet aircraft, okay, okay private jet. Uh, depending upon what you're looking at, those are easily going to run uh, two to $3,000 an hour just direct operating expense mm, okay? okay and and so you know they've got to build in their profit but that's that would include pilot salaries and you know training and everything else 
but there's some overhead that's that's um, that's involved, right? But that's mm -hmm. just the operating cost. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, that's an hour. Then you figure how many hours to get from Raleigh or wherever, Sanford, mm -hmm. to uh, Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that in that type of aircraft, probably about uh, three hours or so. And um, yeah, you know, just, just crunch the numbers. Right, I got you. Okay, so uh, yeah, this, again, this is a, 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 real, a really different uh, experience. Um, than flying commercial like everybody else and having you know, yeah. 300 people on a plane and the like versus uh, flying private uh, charter style. So um, do, the, do, do the aircraft owners, I guess the, the, air, the air taxi company that owns these planes, do they have to meet certain requirements just like any other commercial plane for maintenance, safety, well, those yeah, kind of things? different, but oh yeah, they've got a lot of... Uh, uh, federal requirements to meet. Mm. The um, airlines operate under um, what's known under the federal aviation regulations as part 121. Okay, okay. That's, their, that's their section. That's the things they have to meet, the laws and so forth. Right. Air taxis, it's part 135, okay, mm -hmm. which, is, which is different. But they also have certain requirements for training, who flies these aircraft, mm -hmm. how they're maintained, on and on and on whole different set of regulations. I, as a, as a private pilot, fly under what's called Part 91. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, I have a lot more freedoms than either one of these operations. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, so they're, they're regulated differently. For, but, but here again, I cannot charge somebody to uh, fly them in my airplane from, from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. okay. that, the FAA frowns on things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in fact, they've, they've, they've really, they've charged folks, um, really find them heavily for that. Um, so operating as an air taxi when you, when you're not, you're not approved for that. Yeah. 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 And part of the reason for that mm -hmm. is the, the FAA wants to protect the general public. And so for, for the general person out there, airplane A is the same as airplane B, right? They look the same. Gee, what's wrong with you know, you, Mr. Private Pilot, flying me. Well, my experience level is nowhere near what these guys uh, right. do. My training is not, uh, you know, like the, um, the guys that fly commercial jets. Every uh, six months, they have to go through a medical exam. Mm -hmm. They go through training and simulators. They've got to have so much time. And so, I, I don't have to do any of that, okay? Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, yeah, very, very different requirements. Wow. Um yeah, so yeah, it's almost like having a, a you taking your car and taking somebody personally to their destination as a friend versus you using your car as a taxi and yeah. having not having the hack license and the documents and the insurance, uh, you know, that you need to be carrying passengers and all those kind of things. Very similar, I guess, in nature. Um, uh, is that yeah, accurate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. I'll, I'll share an interesting story. We had a friend who was in Raleigh. Uh -huh. And uh, she was going to be flying out of Raleigh, Durham to, um, to her home down in Florida commercially. Her, her uh, husband was an airline pilot. Mm. Well, in those situations, she flies on standby. And this was just a busy weekend and it just wasn't happening. And so she called me up and said, hey, can I, um, can I spend another night with you folks? Yeah, sure. I said, now look, it's, you know, here it is Friday, four o'clock in Raleigh. By the time I drive there, I'm going to be in the middle of rush hour traffic in Raleigh. I was living uh, up near the Virginia border at the time. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll tell you what, 
I'll get in the plane, bebop on down to Raleigh, be there in a few minutes, and uh, you know, go to this, this uh, uh, operation and I'll pick you up there. And she said the experience was like night and day. Mm. She walked out to a, um, uh, a van or to uh, the luggage guy and she said, uh, how do I get over to that, to that place? He said, hold on. He picks up the phone and he says, you have a customer. Next thing you know, this big van pulls up, they grab her bags, throw them in there. She goes to the other side of the airport. Wow. She gets out. She says, it's nice, spacious. There's nobody in the lobby, you know, and the, the young lady behind the desk said, would you like a warm cookie? Right. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, by the time I showed up, it was easy peasy. We're in, we're out, no traffic. Everything was great. You know, so wow. it's just the difference in, in how, uh, how we, how we travel. Right. Wow. Yeah. 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 You're paying for the experience. Uh, and it's a higher level concierge, kind of experience yeah um you know and that's what you pay for i mean and obviously the time that you save considerably amount of time uh because when i fly commercially and our reps fly commercially you know you know what we do we got to get to the airport two hours ahead of time um park our car in long-term parking if you will and, and if that's the case or so or take an uber right. or a taxi to the, to the to the terminal get out and be there two hours early uh, and then you're end of this delay and all these kind of things. So you spend, you know, easily four to five hours, depending on where you're traveling, four to five, six, seven hours, you know, two hours to get there first, get on the plane, an hour and a half in the air, depending on where you're going. Then you get to your destination, come back. So you spend, you know, uh, unproductive time, you know, uh, uh, doing this. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, commercial, for me personally and in my business, commercial aviation just doesn't work. Okay. Mm. If I'm working on uh, on a given project and I'm looking at somebody's log books and you know trying to make sure that you know am I going to make the flight am I going to make it you know no that doesn't happen that does not happen. No, that's great. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be definitely a higher end service. So uh, going back to your into your core business, plane data um, and that's aircraft versus uh, just cookie cutter plane. Um, so. Uh, looking at that, you're doing more aircraft consulting, right? And and also appraisals. So when you do the consulting business, I guess you consult with companies, individuals to determine, I suppose, their aircraft needs. I'm assuming. And so so help take us through that. How do you work on the consulting side with the individual sure. consumer? Yeah, there's there's um, there's two basic. Uh, levels of consulting that I do. One is with banking clients, and we can talk about that in a minute, mm -hmm. uh, because the, the bankers generally don't have very much knowledge about aircraft. I mean, you, you know, and therein lies part of the problem. But in the case, uh, the other consulting I do is actually as a buyer's agent, and that's not a brokerage, okay? Mm -hmm. A brokerage, uh, from my definition, is um, I get a commission based on the sales of that aircraft or the purchase of that aircraft. And so I, I never want my clients to wonder, is this guy pushing an aircraft because he's getting a bigger commission check? Or is he pushing it because he thinks it's a better aircraft? I never want that, you know, trust is, is critical in my line of business, okay? People may not like what I have to tell them, but they should be able to believe it and trust it. And, and so what I do in, in those scenarios, I interview the client for 
a few minutes to find out what their needs are. Um, it, you know, how far, how fast, how much luggage, um, you know, what's your budget, what do you, what do you plan to spend? There are a lot of uh, business jets out there that are less than a million bucks, probably less than 500,000, okay? And, and that, that sounds like a lot of money. To some people, that's not very much. And they're saying, wow, get me one of those. Well, you know, by the time you get into the maintenance, okay? Mm-hmm. The maintenance on those things will kill you if you don't know what you're, what you're getting into. So what I try to help clients understand is what are their needs? What aircraft best fits the mission that they're talking about? And what is their budget? And what will meet that? And sometimes there's a mismatch. You know, the guy wants uh, all the bells and whistles on an airplane and he doesn't want to pay anything for it. And, and I got to tell him, look, it's just not going to happen. You know, you're, you're going to have to either reset your expectations or reset your budget. Mm-hmm. Because, because, I mean, that aircraft doesn't, doesn't exist. I mean, you might get lucky, but, you know, let me tell you, there are no deals in aviation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, 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 if you get a good deal up front, you're going to pay for it somewhere. And so I just, uh, and I run into folks who are looking for the aircraft stored in the barn, you know, and that kind of thing. You don't want those airplanes, trust me. You really don't. And you don't want the hangar queen that's been sitting in the back, right? You want something that's been flown and properly maintained, especially if you get into turbine airplanes. Um, I used to watch some of the airplane repo shows, you know, and there was, (laughs) you know, and I'm watching, I got to admit, these pilots, uh, just looking at the show, right? These guys have got to have a lot of courage. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at the airplanes and they're walking around. It's like, you know, I, I, I don't know that I'd uh, be the one firing that up and taking it down the runway, but hey, that's just me, you know. So a Parachute on the back. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and there are airplanes with parachutes now, right? I meant, I meant the pilot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but there are airplanes with, with parachutes, right? If you get, if things get hairy, you can pull the lever, shoot pops out and you know, you can walk away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um, uh, so there's different, there's different, obviously aircraft based on the needs of the consumer. So right. if you have a, let's say, uh, and I'll use an example to make it more real for people. You have, let's say you're looking for a, a six seat plane, um, uh, you know, for a family, it could be for executives, it could be any number of those things, you know, husband and wife, couple kids, maybe some in-laws or maybe, or, or it could be, CEO, uh, CFO, and a couple of management that they use it for. So you got a six-seat plane. Um, they come to you and uh, say, okay, we won't find a six-seat plane, and they give you the requirements. Um, you're going to recommend, based on what their needs are, a c- certain planes. And right. I guess, and that plane could be, uh, I'm just using your language, half a million, a million dollars, 1.5, could be 2 million. I don't, you know, you, you can give us a yeah, little feedback. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and what is the maintenance for planes like that? You know, because it's interesting. Um, we we operate in the car sector in certain areas, and so some of the high end vehicles. And I'm using I'm using day to day comparison for us regular consumers, not people who own planes. <laughs> right, right. company excluded. Okay, so you know, somebody buys a and they want they want to buy a Ferrari. And you can get a used Ferrari for, you know, you can find them for 20 grand, 35 grand. And they, the older ones, they look beautiful. But the maintenance, get an oil change and get a tune-up, it's going to cost you eight grand. 
<laughs> so, so the maintenance on the vehicles and the cost you a lot more than what you laid out over time to maintain it. So give oh, yeah. us an idea of what does it cost to maintain, let's say a six seat plane or a four, uh, four seat. Now maintenance is, is the actual maintain tune-ups, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're not including, I'm assuming, airport fees, hangar, or that part of all the maintenance. Insurance, yeah. Insurance, yeah. So give us an idea of what are we looking at for all of that kind of stuff. Well, you know, the, and, and let's keep it simple with a piston airplane. Okay. The, the um, aviation world's heavily regulated, okay? And, that, and believe it or not, that's, a lot of people hate that, but it's kind of a good thing. You can't, legally uh, take auto grade parts and put them on airplanes. There's a reason for that, okay? Um, and, and so, you know, the, the, a screw might look identical that you put into a car versus you put into an airplane, but one of them is approved by the FAA, right? And so, you know, you can jack up the price uh, several times. The, um, a a good, good case in point are spark plugs. Um, the spark plugs in a piston engine don't look anything like what you have. Well, I mean, they're similar, but I mean, they, the, the top is very different. And, and they're not like the, the uh, plugs that you might put into a car. And for example, you know, the average spark plug might run a couple bucks, okay, for you. It runs about 25 bucks for me. And each cylinder has two, all right? And so now I, you know, I don't have to get them changed very often, but, you know, you've got to go in, say, every uh, 40 hours or so to get the oil changed, check to see if the engine's making metal, uh, and usually they're not. Um, but every year you have to go through an annual inspection, and the annual inspection on a piston airplane is pretty pricey, depending upon what they find. Mm. So there are things, for example, that the manufacturer or the FAA will come out with called airworthiness directives. Mm -hmm. Those things have to be addressed. They have to be complied with. Mm -hmm. Some are pretty simple. You know, make sure that this uh, clamp is on this hose, you know, and it's torqued appropriately. Other things, uh, they had one a few years ago for an engine to change the crankshaft. That gets pricey. <laughs> that gets pricey real quick. Mm -hmm. um, in some cases, if you're talking about an engine overhaul, depending upon the type of engine, that can easily be as much as $50,000 wow. you might be facing. So it, it, it runs. But the typical annual inspection, anywhere from three to $6,000 for the year. Okay. And so at some point, you know, if you fly a lot, then the cost per hour is, is going to be a little bit less than mm -hmm. if you fly, say, 20 or 40 hours a year, which is what the typical private pilot flies. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it can, it can be pricey. It can be very pricey. So the tune-up you know, or the annual inspection is 3 to 6K. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess for a small, like a single piston kind of plane, right? That's a two-seater, right? No, 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 no. That can be four and six seats. Okay, so single piston, four to six seater. Is that propeller? Yeah, propellers. Okay, propeller. Okay, so six seater, let's say, or six seater, a four seater, uh, single piston, and uh, propeller plane, right? Um, about three to six K just for the inspection, right? 
Um, well, and that's to, and that's the parts, um, you, you know, and everything they need to do. That's that's all in. Okay, all in. Okay, all in. So now you got that's for the, I guess, oil change inspection. Maybe put a spark plug in. You know, get everything kind of nice, humming nicely, whatever. So now, what about like uh, parking this thing? right at, at an airport and having the hangar fees and all that what does that look like well and and it depends on where you put it right um for example i don't know that for a single engine piston airplane you'd be able to get hangar a private hangar okay uh but now some airports may not be a problem in my case i'm outside of the charlotte area um, and outside of their airspace. Um, and so I'm in a, what's called a community hangar. And so there's probably, oh, about six to 10 other airplanes in, in the hangar with me. The, the folks that manage, or in this case, it's the city, they manage the, the in and out service and so forth. Um, and, and so the hangar rent for me at that airport is probably a, a little right around 250 bucks for my airplane a month, okay? Larger airplanes, it's, it's gonna be higher, you know, mm -hmm. probably three to 500 bucks a month, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, if you go to somewhere like Greensboro, Raleigh, or other major airports, if you can find space, right. you're, you're really gonna be paying through the nose, right? Thousand dollars or, or? I don't know about that high, but certainly pretty high, yeah. Okay. And maybe on the West Coast, you're you're talking a thousand bucks, but you know here it's probably not quite that high. Right, so you made two fifty. It could be double that price or something. Maybe a little bit more at a yeah. at a at a, at a Raleigh Airport, for example. Yeah. Um, to do that, and and the insurance cost to have for the plane as well. That's a whole other number. What's the insurance cost? <laughs> wow, I mean, this is a tough year to ask that question. Insurance. <laughs> Well, the insurance industry, I just renewed mine. Um, the insurance, uh, and, and mine wasn't bad. Mine really wasn't bad. Okay. But um, the insurance costs, and talking with my broker, he said the, the industry in general, mm -hmm. um, you know, was paying out a lot more than they took in, okay, for, for a number of accidents and things like that. So everybody's rates went up. Right, okay. Uh, so if you, if you fly a very high-end piston single aircraft, mm -hmm. the six-seater, turbocharged, everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your rates. He, he was hearing increases of like, you know, 200%, okay? Wow. Yeah. And mine, wasn't, mine wasn't anywhere near that bad. Right, right. You know, I happened to fit into this nice little niche area. And, and so my, in my particular case, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. It did go up, but, uh, you know, it wasn't very bad. For some people, it was terrible. And, you know, if you're flying some of these uh, single-engine turboprops, and what I mean by a turboprop is you're using a jet engine to drive the propeller versus a piston engine. Uh, yeah, those guys were really paying uh, through the nose. Um, but, but here again, that's a different level of service. That's a different level of uh, pilot uh, and on and on. You know, the typical... <laughs> The typical guy that wants to fly around, you know, on a Saturday afternoon is not flying a turboprop. Right, flying probably a single piston, uh, two-seater propeller plane. Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe, so, so, maybe ninety horsepower. You know. Okay. Yeah, is that good? Uh, is, 
90 horsepower. Is that good or is that like a Volkswagen? That's low. That's low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he's just out there having a good time, you know. Right. Or he wants to fly from Raleigh to North Carolina to Wilmington, North Carolina. Right. Um, he could, right. He could do that with his single. Uh, he uh, could. He, uh, he could. Um, but, you know, if you're going to really use the airplane for transportation, you, you really, I found out early on, you really need to have an instrument rating and, and, and fly under instrument rules. Um, and, and there's visual flying and there's instrument flying. And, and visual flying means you basically are, are out of the clouds, you can see the ground, you can see where you're going. Instrument flying means you can just fly in lousy weather. And, and you can fly in the clouds, um, and, but you've also got to be able to land the airplane, okay, and, and fly into the airport and the ceiling. Think about these really rainy, low ceiling days. Yeah, you've got to be able to land it in that situation. It can be really, really bad. And what do you do if you don't see the runway? What do you do then, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you're you not instrument panel certified, I guess, or trained. You can't. Yeah. Well, you some can't. of these guys are not, and the, and the airplane isn't equipped for that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. So um, on the insurance side, I guess, for a, um, uh, a, a decent plane, I guess, again, let's use the two-seater, single-engine, you know, prop. Somebody, somebody wants to buy their own little plane. We're going to get to this in a minute. But, you know, what is the insurance on something like that? Is it like $10,000 a year? Is it 5000 No, 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 no. It's not quite that high. I, I would say the rates are probably for, you know, uh, somebody flying a two- or four-seater um, I'll call them a low performance airplane. Yeah, you're probably looking at a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred on the top end. But yeah, roughly about a thousand bucks. Depends on the pilot, his age, uh, his experience level. If you've got less than 25 hours, yeah, you're going to be paying a lot more than say somebody who's got several hundred hours. Okay, in that particular type of aircraft. Yeah, because um, you know, twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a year for that is cheaper than some car insurance, you know? So, and again, because you're at risk with car in the car, you got more people on the road. I mean, you know, you're in the air here, and, you know, uh, it's a lot, the risk is different, I, I suppose. Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. So, it, so looking at just basic support, um, you're probably at about on the high end, about um, $10,000 um, uh, a year, uh, Plus six. I'm just looking at. Oh yeah, yeah. A six, nine, ten, fifteen. About eleven hundred dollars, twelve, eleven thousand dollars a year, give or take. And that's not counting fuel. Okay, uh, so. Oh yeah. That's another yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah, aviation fuel um, is uh, typically one hundred low lead, and and that I think the average I use in my cost estimate is six dollars a gallon. And, and my, um, my airplane drinks on average about 10 gallons an hour. Wow. Wow. So that's efficient. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. So the fuel, obviously, it's almost like, um, so what I'm looking for golf, you know, with golf, you, you pay a certain annual fee, you, you know, there's certain costs you pay and then you got to go out and play. Right, and then right. you right. play, depending on where you play, right, I'm not a golfer, I just know this. So tell you where you go play, <laughs> yeah. right? it costs yeah. you more to play over here than to play over there, and that's right. kind of like your usage. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, and now some guys are, are, you know, try to save a few dollars, go to go to Airport X that has right. fuel and, you, you know, I mean, there's, there are ways to, to, to be more efficient. But um, yeah, in my case, uh, I, I mean, that's just rolled into my fees as far as the cost per hour, right? Right, yeah, exactly. You kind of know what it costs to maintain your, your, sure. your plane cost per hour of usage and maintenance and all that. Um, you know, I mean, it calls you annual usage, but so, um, when looking at, um, when, um, somebody wants to buy, let's say a, uh, a small plane, um, you know, what are they looking at for, let's say, uh, you know, this for their own re recreational use, um, where they have to obviously take us through, to first get that plane, you have to be able to, you gotta learn how to fly, right? So you gotta go to training classes, right? Mm -hmm. School, yep. right? And I heard that can be a little pricey. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about getting trained to fly your own, let's say two-seater, four-seater, single-engine prop plane, and then what is it gonna cost to buy the actual plane? Then we tack on everything you just said. Right. <laughs> all the maintenance, all this. What are we looking at for that process? Well, and there, there are a couple avenues to, uh, to get your training, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of folks will go through the traditional flight school. And, you know, those flight schools have packages, I'm sure. Um, you know, and it, it really, really depends on what your objectives are. If you're just looking to be a private pilot, they can help you with that, you know, and, and they usually have a package and a set price, and they'll take you through the training you generally rent their airplanes, so they maintain them, they keep them fueled, and so you're paying for the plane, the instructor, and, and the instructor's time. And there's a ground component to, to the training, and then there's the flight component. And so, um, you know, God bless those instructors. Um, they, um, I mean, they gotta put up with these, with these folks that, um, and, and hey, we were all one, right? At one time, all of us were students, uh, you know, I bounced a few airplanes uh, from time to time, uh, you know, on landing. I mean, it happens. It happens. That's part of the learning process, you know. Um, the uh, Hopefully, you don't kill yourself or damage the airplane, but that doesn't always happen either. Um, you know, there it, it's rare, but it, it sometimes it comes up. Mm -hmm. but, um, but, yeah, you know, it you have to have so many hours of dual instruction. And then you have to have so many hours of solo time and solo time. The instructor has signed you off to take the airplane. And, and the objective is to work on a lot of things that you're going to have to do with the FAA examiner. And so when you're proficient in those like landings, takes off, uh, doing turns about a point, you know, and doing, um, uh, you know, sharp banks and things like that, emergency engine out procedures, this kind of stuff. When you're comfortable with that, then, then the instructor says, okay, you're ready to go for your, um, for your check ride. And you, you set a time with an FAA examiner, you fly down there, he gives you a check ride, and if you're good, you know, signs you off and uh, you're a pilot. And so it's almost, do you get, is there a, like in, with driving, you get a learner's permit, right, first, and you get to learn to drive, and then you take the uh, and you get your hours. It's all about, about the teenagers, right? But you know, you get the learner's permit, then you uh, you take your your your, uh, your road exam, your road test, 
and then you get a license. So it sounds like it's similar. Is there a learner's permit section? Yeah, for yeah, it's it's a it's a student uh, it's a student license, if you okay. will. It's a it's a medical. Essentially, you get your medical exam, mm -hmm. and then you and you have to take a written test and pass that test, and only then can you go to uh, the FAA examiner. Okay, but as a student pilot, you can't take any passengers. It's just you or the instructor. Uh, if you're going to act in pilot and command, you better be the only one on board that airplane. You can't take anybody else. Um, that and I've, I've seen I've seen a few situations where that didn't always work out either. But, oh really? Uh, oh yeah, somebody always tries to get away with something. But um, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You're there to learn, and uh, that's the whole purpose. And and the toughest thing for me was uh, learning how to recover from stalls and. Um, and, but it's something we all have to learn to do. In other words, when um, you pull back on the yoke and the airplane climbs and climbs, at some point it's not going to climb anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're going to break. And, and when they break, you got to know how to handle that because it can very easily happen. And you've got certain parameters you got to stay within. Yeah, doing it by, by yourself the first time, yeah, for me, you know, man, my heart was in my throat when that happened. I mean, it, it's a it's a scary situation, but it's one you've you've got to you got to deal with. You got to, I mean, that's part of the training. Right, right. I got you. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, sounds very interesting. Um, so uh, a a plane, um, uh, let's say a um, four seater, you know, again back to the single engine prop. Sure propeller, four-seater, six-seater, you're going to buy your first plane after you've gotten your license and you don't want to do this just for your own personal use. Uh, what, what are you looking at from a used plane cost perspective, entry level, um, to buy, you know, what's going to cost you out of pocket? Yeah, yeah, and that really depends on the age of the aircraft and the technology you want in that aircraft. Okay. Um, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the students are now taught um, with glass panels, what we call glass panels. In other words, you've got, you know, on a Cessna 172, you've got two big computer screens, you know, about 10 or 12 inches <laughs> sitting in the panel. That's it. Okay. And so they're taught that. There are other students, uh, you know, old timers, where, you know, you're taught on what we call steam gauges or round gauges. And so you've got, you've got these independent instruments. Now, both give you the same information, okay? But the technology in one is, is a lot more pricey than it is in the older aircraft with steam gauges. And so some people that fly uh, on glass panel, they don't, they don't know how to fly on steam gauges. Never learned it, don't want to deal with it. But the steam gauge aircraft are, are still solid, good airplanes, and you can get them for a, a reasonable amount of money. Okay, depending on what you, you know, and then there's the other navigation and communication equipment you got to have in there. But yeah, you can you can still get that for for a pretty good price. Certainly less than uh, I would say seventy five grand or so. Okay, give or give or take a little bit on either side, depending on what you want. For the one with the gauges. I yeah, the one with the individual gauges. You want all the bells and whistles? Oh yeah, you're you're gonna start paying. So something with gauges. So you, when you say that again, I, I just for the for our listeners that I compare that to a classic car. 
that has gauges, right? You know, it has all of the, has a speedometer that has the, the oil gauge, the pressure gauge, the battery gauge, alternator gauge, yeah. the brake, right? Uh, so you have all these gauges and, and obviously the, the, the classic cars cost more. So kind of like flip on your side, it's cheaper on their side, the classic cars cost a lot more for their more demand, but yeah. I get it. Yeah. Versus the newer cars, they have all, everything is digital, it's all electronics. Uh, and some of the old mechanics know how to fix the older cars, but they haven't been trained on the on the digital. I'm not saying it's an example of the air industry. I'm just I'm just making comparisons. That's all. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's not necessarily the case. I mean, the avionics. Uh, yeah, you've got to have a shop that can handle both. Yeah. But as far as mechanics go, yeah, pretty much the same engine, pretty much the same airframe. Um, the, the biggest challenge, I think, are aluminum airplanes versus composite airplanes. Okay. And, 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 and somebody's got to understand how to deal with composite versus aluminum. And, and some shops do, others not so much. Mm -hmm. but, um, um, but, yeah, the technology is, uh, it, compared to when I first started flying, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, whiz-bang. Uh, wow. I mean, you really have to work hard to, to screw things up, you know, with the technology today. Yeah, yeah. So to get into a a plane, I guess, and and uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to chat was how to you're learning about what you do and and how you you're consulting because this discussion is around you know obviously a lot of things that you do and the consulting part of the business of plane data um, to figure out the right aircraft for you and your family or for your company and all that. And all these things go into play, right? The right. type of the plane, the type of the aircraft, how far are you going? What is the weight? How many people? You know, all those kind of things go into what you buy. So um, now we know, for a, for at least from the consumer personal side, give or take, what it takes to, uh, you know, how do I buy a small plane, for example? What what does it cost me to do that? I got to getting my pilot's license and that may be what a thousand hours before you get the actual license no, from no, not not that much i would say you're probably looking in flight time um i would say roughly a hundred hours maybe a hundred in the air yeah okay. flying time completely not ground time. stuff not the ground yeah but okay. flying time I guess okay. you got to have, I think, um, now the rules may have changed, but I think you got to have a minimum of 40 hours. Okay. And that's if you're, you know, really on your game and, you know, most, most, most people take longer, but, um, um, I, I want to say yeah, roughly 80 to a hundred hours is probably what you, you know, you should expect. Right. Um, and then that's good. You got to pay that, whatever that is. And if that's, let's say, uh, 40 to a hundred hours or something like that, um, at what fifty bucks an hour? For, for, oh no 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 no! I I don't know what the flight schools are going to charge. Okay. Like I say, you're you're paying for the instructor's time, whatever that is. Right. Um, and you're paying for the aircraft. Okay. Use of the aircraft, and depending upon um, you know the type of aircraft, that's probably well. Give you a good ballpark. I um, I've got a four seat retractable airplane. Okay. And and I charge two hundred bucks an hour. Okay. And, and so others will charge a little less and that's just my cost is 200 bucks an hour. Okay. Right. Just, 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 just to run the plane. <laughs> yeah, all the maintenance, the fuel, you know, the, the database updates, everything that goes into getting that airplane moving. Wow. Include any, any, my 
time or anything else. Wow. So if you're spending that kind of money or even a little bit more at a flight school, let's just say as an example, or maybe less because they have a lot of people in theory, right? But you're paying that to get the 40, 100 hours of flight time, whatever the numbers that there. And then now you're certified. Now you got to buy the plane. It's going to cost you 75. Yeah. Or, or lease it or whatever you want, yeah. you know, however you want to do it. Buy the plane. It's going to cost you 75, 80 grand, 100 grand, depending on what kind of plane you got. Then the maintenance, uh, I mean, about 10 grand. Again, I'm just flattening, flattening out numbers sure. here uh, to, have, to have that. So, um, Take us through the financing part of the of the of the aircraft. Like, so somebody wants to finance this, you know, this one point two million dollar personal jet. You know, uh, how do you finance this thing? I go, I walk into a Bank of America and talk to a teller. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's how do you finance this thing? <laughs> well, there are banks that specialize in this. Right. Okay. There banks and their finance companies. Right. Uh, you can go to a B of A. They they do some. They uh, as I recall, they got out of financing for the, the private owner some time ago. But, you know, set that aside. The, um, here, here's the, from, from my standpoint, I mean, a, you know, general aviation is kind of cowboy country in that regard. I mean, some of the things I see out there, the financing and, and so forth, um, you know, I get called in, for example, to appraise an aircraft for a banking client. and <clears throat> <laughs> and it may come in quite a bit less than, than what they negotiated. And usually, you know, people are, well, after, after they start using the four letter words, then they get down to, well, why, why is this? And I usually say, well, did, you do know it has damage history, right? You do know that this is, this happened or this happened. You do know these things. No, they typically don't. They don't have a clue. Mm. And so, and, and that's if the bank calls me. A lot of times they will um, just finance these things sight unseen. I ran across a lot of that uh, in the financial collapse of 07 and 08, um, where banks were having to repo these airplanes and, and they never had anybody take a look at them, ever. And, and in, in some cases, it, it was pennies on the dollar as far as what they were worth, okay? Um, because people didn't take care of them. Um, it, it, in extreme situations, people will take equipment out of the airplane. They'll, they'll magically lose the log books. Um, and these are the maintenance logs. I mean, those represent a lot of value to the airplane. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you, you know, and I have to tell them, you know, the bank in the security agreement, it says all the log books and all the equipment. I said, well, whoever validated any, any of that was there, ever took any pictures, you know, whatever. Nah, they never did any of that. So the bank is usually not in a good position in, in those situations, but there are banks that are out there. You can, um, you can go through the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, AOPA is one resource. You can go online and, and just type in aircraft financing, and you'll get all kinds of uh, all kinds of uh, lists. Right, a lot of times they want to finance at uh, one hundred thousand and above. Okay. Other banks, um, um, there's there's one bank I won't I won't mention their name. There's one bank here in North Carolina though. Uh, they're a, they're now a, a nationwide uh, bank. 
but they, they will only deal with their customers. They don't want new customers from outside coming in just for aircraft financing. They want a relationship with you. Mm. But they'll finance airplanes. They don't have a problem with it. Um, but again, I, I help step them through these things. And, um, and, and that's, one, that, that's one thing. I, you know, when I got into this business, I thought banks would appreciate. Nah, nah, they don't appreciate it at all. They, they want to do the deal. Right. And from a sales perspective, I can understand this. They don't want anything blocking the deal. Mm-hmm. They see aircraft appraisers as deal blockers. And I'm just trying to tell them, look, whatever you choose to do is up to you. I'm just telling you, this is, if you have to go out and sell it, this is what you're going to have. Okay. To deal with. Yeah. And, and, you know, make your decision, whatever you want to do. And, um, you know, some banks appreciate it. Others, not so much. Yeah. I think that uh, to, it, they are, determining their level of risk and if they're limiting it to um, like banks are limiting it to for example their current customers um, and somebody who's buying a plane uh, more than likely has other sources of income and usually going to be well off so that person is more than likely going to personally sign or guarantee that loan and so the bank is saying, okay, we'll give you 1.5 million or we'll give you $850,000, whatever for this plane. And uh, you got four houses, you got uh, nine cars, you got a business worth $20 million. <laughs> so yeah. they're looking at it from the, eh, if it goes belly up, we got this to go after. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, the, um, you know, in, in most situations, and I, I had a lot of research on this uh, a few years ago, but, yeah, the typical aircraft owner is what the bank would consider to be one of their best customers. You know, they, they have a job, they, they own at least uh, one house, they've got two vehicles, they're married, you know, stable in the community, on and on and on, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's typically what the bank wants to find. But since 07 and 08, uh, they've gotten really paranoid about airplanes. Mm. So a lot of them just don't want to deal with them, period. Or, or they'll limit it to airplanes 10 years old or less. Okay, if it's any more than 10 years old, the average airplane out there, I think the fleet is about 40 years old or so on average. So you're only looking at, at a very, very, very small portion of the market. Some of these folks are willing to finance. So um, if you look at the market across the U.S. of the companies that are willing to finance, I guess, banking, right? Let's say let's stick with banks for a minute. Um, is, would you say that based on your experience is less than a dozen banks across the country that will finance aircraft and then the other people who do it are not really banks they're kind of like financial arms they got credit you they have other money and they'll just throw it at it but the banks themselves are very small is that well it i mean it varies it runs up and down right i mean you have large banks and i mean when i got into this industry um there were there were a lot of different banks and and now you're you're down to really about four major banks Okay. And, and then you've got, you know, regional and local banks and, and those folks, the regional and local folks don't have a clue what to do. I mean, you know, when Joe Pilot comes in, their best customer and says, Hey, I want to, I want to buy a single engine Cessna aircraft. They don't, they don't know what to do. They think it's a 757, but you know, and that's where I try to add some value and help step them through the process at least. Sure. Um, but I would say, you know, to some degree, they all probably lend on aircraft. If they advertise or not, that's another question. 
but I would say to some degree, probably just about every bank out there has an airplane in their portfolio, at least one. At least one, okay. They, they, but they probably have. Right, I got you. But they're not actively playing in that market, looking for that business, and it comes right. across their desk because one of their customers, goes back to that, had, wants it, they'll probably finance it. They, they, sure. And they'll, and they'll, they'll work uh, with it that way. So the, um, when you're out there, I guess, I guess uh, from, a, from an appraiser, aircraft consultant kind of business, where are you going nowadays to pick up your prospects and your clients? Because you're in a super niche industry, um, you know, and, you know, we, we've had this conversation before. Um, and uh, where are you going nowadays since earlier, uh, years ago, where are you going now to, to pick up these customers if you've, if you've shifted your business to more consulting? So now you're working with the consumer for the most part versus the financier, which was the <laughs> banks, which you realized they didn't care. It's actually both. It's, it's so actually both. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, what I've had to do is change my approach. I mean, you know, the folks that we worked with you guys on and you guys used to cold call, they, those, those people don't exist anymore. Mm. Um, you know, you think about uh, BB&T and SunTrust being a great example, you know? So, truest. Truest now. Yeah, now it's truest, right? right. They, they merged. Right. And, or you'll see Wells Fargo gobble up a lot of banks. Um, like I say, in 07 and 08, there were a lot of banks who just collapsed, mm -hmm. right? And, and so um, I was educated a little bit on that. And they said, you know, five o'clock on a Friday, somebody from the FDIC comes in, they lock the doors and they say, as of uh, Monday morning, you will now be part of this bank, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and those assets are, are merged into somebody else's um, uh, portfolio. But what I've done now, like I say, those, those people, and that was one of the biggest challenges. You know, if you establish a relationship with somebody in a bank, they're gone in yep. a few months. And, and you know, um, uh, long ago, I had business with NCMB or North Carolina National Bank. Now that's Bank of America. And, and, you know, I went to downtown Charlotte to talk to people. Now that person might be in Dallas, Texas, right? Or out in California. And, and so, you know, for, for somebody in this line of business, that's really tough to find the right person. And if you do, they're gone in a few months. So trying to keep that network uh, from a sales and marketing perspective is a challenge. So what I did is I started working, working with the internet, letting the internet do some of my marketing and let me let them call me because the demand comes up and um, the um, you know it's a, it, it's there right if you call somebody and say hey I'd like to talk to you about your aircraft financing they can probably count the number of deals they've done in their whole career on one hand okay mm -hmm. right. and so I, I put myself out there on the web I put a lot of opinions and thoughts uh, that I've seen over the years on the web through social media on LinkedIn, things like that. Mm -hmm. And that generates some business. The, um, the organization I belong to the professional aircraft um, appraisers organization. Um, we, um, we actually have um, um, a finder tool. So mm -hmm. people can go online. They know the type of aircraft, you know, piston or turbine, they know where it is and they can see who the closest individual is. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's another way. So 
people can go on kind of incognito uh, because a lot of bankers don't even want to talk to people, right? You know, in this, in this day and age, they, um, you know, they want to do everything online. And right. I, you know, I get it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, some people pick pick up the phone, give you a call, and 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 they want to talk about their needs, and that's fun too. Glad to help them either way. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of shifted. Uh, the model shifted a bit, and and uh, and what's working for you now, and uh, and doing more consulting versus the the, the appraisals. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, you still obviously do the appraisals, and you do a lot more consulting now on on the on the aircraft, which is great. You're still using the same skill set. <laughs> oh, yeah. For a different purpose, different uh, focus. Um, sure. So yeah, it, it, it um, and uh, are shows at all um, a place for you at all uh, to get prospects like these trades? The not trade shows are on hold because of the, you know the COVID, right. but but generally, are trade shows even an option for people in your industry anymore? Well, it, let me put it this way: it it I'll say it had been in the past. Uh, yeah. A good example might be uh, the previous organization. Uh, we would go to uh, Sun and Fun, which is down in Florida in the spring, or we'd go to Oshkosh. Now it's, uh, I think, Air Venture up in Wisconsin, you know, in the late summer. Both, both of course, canceled. And, um, but, but, you know, what was your purpose for being there? And, and I think mostly it was to get new uh, people to come into the organization. And fine, fine, if that's what you want to do, but for the individual appraiser that was there, eh, there really wasn't much. You know, you might run in, I mean, you ran into people from all over the world, you know, at these things. Um, but, um, you know, trying to find somebody that was close by that might have an aircraft, yeah, that was tough. We do some networking at some of events like the National Aircraft Finance Association, mm-hmm, Warrior mm-hmm. Pilots, Bar Association, things like that. Because uh, mm-hmm. we do get into some legal cases regarding diminution of value, that, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to do testimony and, and so forth. But, but yeah, it, um, uh, those are networking events. But the air shows, yeah, in my opinion, not so much. Not so got, much. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's not a, again, super niche industry uh, and a certain group of people you can interact with because of what you for what you do, um, and I guess, do you have a um, a sense of how big is the private appraisal consulting kind of aircraft industry? Is there like you know a thousand of you, <laughs> or is there like that eh, maybe well, three hundred, you know, um, other like? Yeah, good good question. Our industry is not regulated. Okay. Wild, wild west. <laughs> it is. It is. So, so what that means right. yeah. is that if you wanted to be an airplane appraiser, you could be one right now. Mm. Okay. There's Put a single. No, Put up a single. <laughs> any any aircraft you wanted to do. You, you know, you don't have to know the difference between a Cessna 152 and a Bell helicopter. Okay. You could appraise airplanes and you could write reports and offer your services to the general public. There is no law that keeps you from doing that. And, and that's, that's one of the, one of the frustrations I've got. Mm. There, are, there are two organizations in, in the country. Uh, the organization I belong to now, the professional aircraft appraisal organization is the largest. Um, I, 
certainly in the U.S., possibly in the world, okay? And there's uh, about 100 of us, mm-hmm. okay? The, um, there are other organizations that do aircraft appraising kind of as an afterthought, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And, and the key difference between us and, and everybody else is we train our folks on how to do this. And we require that they go out into the field and look at the airplane, go through the logs and everything else. Not everybody does, but that's where the meat is uh, of this whole thing, you know, is out there, you know, in the field with the airplane and it's, and it's records. But yeah, there's not a lot of us. There's uh, the organization's got probably about a hundred people, you know, most of them in the U S but we've got folks in other countries as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a very, again, uh, the ones who are part of an association obviously are investing and, and uh, to stay out on top of your craft and networking and uh, that kind of thing. So those are the ones you want to talk to, obviously. Um, but so you're, you're, um, you offer your services across the country, right? Uh, yes. I'm assuming, okay, um, to consult on the purchase of an aircraft, personal use, business use, um, working with finance companies or banks for appraisals on the aircraft right. um, as well. I'm giving opinions of value as well. Uh, you can you can write a professional opinion of value, right? Yeah, typically what I provide to clients is a report. Okay. Okay. And in that report is what I found, and here's my opinion of value based on what I found. Right. And again, making it simple for our you know listeners and viewers that like when you buy a house, you get you get an appraisal report, you get a inspector report, home inspection report. The guy comes out there, he's usually a, a contractor kind of guy. He looks at everything and he gives you a report and says, this is bad, this is bad, you need to fix this. <laughs> and, 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 and true, that should, that should be done, but that would be equivalent to what we call a pre-buy inspection or an oh, inspection, mechanical gotcha. inspection, okay, which is very different. Gotcha, okay, okay, thanks for the clarifying that. Sure. Um, you know, that's great. Uh, and you, you provide all these services, obviously, to um, individuals and businesses. Um, so the, uh, the website is plain data, P L A N E data.com. Right. Uh, and, uh, the owner is Mike Simmons. Uh, and, um, it, here we've learned today of, you know, uh, apart from so many couple things that we discussed was, uh, also what I found is how to, how to, what it takes to buy a plane, uh, uh, and maintain a plane and what it requires you to even own it because you got to get the license and the training and all these kind of things. Uh, we talked about air taxis um, as well and the charter experience, uh, how, how, you know, that's a high level executive level concierge experience. Uh, and um, uh, there's a lot of value in, in, in what you're providing, obviously, to your service uh, to people who are looking for that. Um, this, this conversation was great, just from a uh, deep dive into what you do and, and the value. It's just, I think it's extremely fascinating. It was fascinating then when we got to know you initially and work with you, and it's still fascinating now uh, <laughs> for what you do. I'm sure it brings up good coffee or scotch conversations or whatever you drink. Uh, what do you do? Well, you know, I, I, I look at planes, and I appraise them, and I consult them about, you want to buy one? <laughs> yeah, have I got a deal for you? Have yeah. I got a deal for you? Only one point five. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and that's a good price. 
Uh, but I, I appreciate your time. Um, uh, thank you for being part of the show. And um, if you, um, I like to end with this. Uh, if you had one superpower uh, that you could have, whether that's personal or business, what would that superpower be? Now, you may want to think about that for a couple of seconds before you kind of comment. Some people know immediately what that is, but if you had a superpower, whatever it could be, personal, business, what would that be? Boy, some days I think uh, being someone like Brainiac would, would be great, right? Okay. Okay. No problem too tough to solve, right? Gotcha, okay. Analytical and, and uh, so forth. I mean, I... Um, Certainly don't think I've got a weakness, but boy, I'll tell you, there, there's some days, especially as we all age, um, you know, <laughs> you yeah. can always stand a lot more brain power. So, uh, yeah, they, you know, knowledge is power, right? Being able to just think through this stuff faster, quicker, better. That's great. That's great. Better CPU, uh, yeah. if you will, right? If only I could upgrade, yes. Right. <laughs> right. I can't download it that much anymore. I got to upgrade. I got yeah. you. That Great, great response. Listen, have a great year. We'll keep in touch. Um, may, may your business continue to flourish and be successful. Uh, and uh, we'll connect soon again. Thanks so much for your time. Gilbert, thank you. Stay healthy, sir. Be well, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.